ladies and gentlemen, it is the Baggies Broadcast. It's season three, episode 38. My name is Luke Hatfield, and as ever, I'm joined by our, our West Brom correspondent at the Expressing Star, uh, Mr. Joe Massey, uh, everlasting man of Baggies knowledge. How are you? I'm all right, mate. You struggled to get your words out there, didn't you? I was trying to think of a fancy way to introduce you. Did you not but plan I one? Couldn't. No, I couldn't. I thought I'd go off the cuff. Couldn't quite manage it. Um, promotion party special, mate. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm. 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 Uh, I'm of course, I'm ready, mate. I'm very ready, and I'm very excited that we've got my friend back on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a, a promotion special if we didn't get the guy who was covering the baggies start of the season for the Expressing Star. The one, the only, Matt Ian Wilson on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. I, I assume that's your actual middle name, Matt. I've never, I never actually knew. Yeah, it is actually. It is. Uh, how, are you, my, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, still, uh, still delighted about last week, and um, I'm just, you know, now scouring Twitter, as you said, um, for transfer news. Um, oh, not you as well. Oh, Come I am, on. mate. Yeah. Sorry, I am. I am, and I'll be, I'll be messaging you as well for the latest. Don't you worry. You always um, slid into my DMs with a little hashtag announce, Gail. I was like, "Come on, mate, you're better than that." No, I'm not. I'm not anymore, mate. I'm not. I'm. I'm just a fan, and I want to. I want to know as much as everyone else, um, so I can provide a bit of insight into the first four games of the season. But after that, it's going to have to be Joe. <laughs> I mean, you loved coming on last time so much. I mean, you, you thought you'd join us again, didn't you? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to chat, Albion. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks and I've experienced all the emotions that I'm sure everyone else has as well, um, from from deepest despair to, to jubilation in the space of, well, 24 hours. And then obviously on Wednesday night, um, which was a great night for me because I watched it with my dad, um, who I haven't seen for a long time. So yeah, happy days. Some sore heads in the Wilson household, I imagine, on Thursday morning. Yeah. Uh, no, we were okay, actually. We were quite restrained. Um, there wasn't much time for drinking because we were just both pacing around the living room on our phones, desperately <laughs> trying to find out what was going on there in the Brentford game. But yeah, that no, was good. I mean, myself and Joe, we, we, I mean, we went, we went through the wing, ringer and I, I imagine many fans did. It'd be great to get a fan's perspective now, actually, on, on that, that week or so, the Huddersfield game. And you kind of mentioned it, the emotions... Uh, there and you saw the pictures of, of Albion following the game and then you know obviously the jubilation of promotion what was it like I mean being a fan in that situation well watching the Huddersfield game was insanely painful because I felt like we'd completely bottled it um, and Billich said as much afterwards didn't he Joe that the pressure got to them um, and I, I, I couldn't see uh, Brentford slipping up um, but then I think that was maybe the fan in me thinking that they were just going to carry on winning um, because if you spoke to people who, who didn't have as much of a vested interest um, in it, like friends and, and other other reporters who who have been around football for a while, they did kind of predict, um, I think one of our colleagues, Matt Mayer, kind of predicted that actually when the pressure's on Brentford, it's interesting to see that it's so how they react. It's so e- much easier to, to chase than to, than to lead. So, um, yeah, that I remember that game against Stoke. I was out for a walk with my family and, and I just, I couldn't, I had to put the game on with about 20 minutes to go. I had to get it on my phone and mm-hmm. just watch it with, uh, which wasn't, you know, pretty antisocial to be honest, but um, I just, I had to watch it and I was amazed when they didn't win that. And then after that game, I actually predicted that we would go up by drawing against Q 
QPR and the, by Brentford not uh, failing to beat Barnsley because Barnsley were in great form, weren't they? They they mm. pushed they pushed Leeds so well and they'd beaten Forest um, and they had everything to play for and I had a feeling that they were going to beat Brentford, um, so I called it before the game and uh, yeah, delighted to say that it happened. You'll have to give us the lottery numbers in a couple of weeks' time, mate. I think. No, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, me and Joe kind of discussed that. I mean, I think every every person who had any kind of Albion persuasion about them was was quickly flicking over the channels when that when that Stoke game was on. Um, and Albion aren't, aren't the biggest friends with Stoke, you know. Obviously, you know, considering stuff that's gone on between the clubs, especially on on social media. But I mean, I tell you what, it was just an, an astonishing series of events, wasn't it? And it was something that the Championship always kind of promises, season in, season out, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. <laughs> that last day, I don't think could be bettered. I mean, my father-in-law is a Swansea fan, so he was he was <laughs> frant- he was frantically texting me as well about um, what was going on in, in the Swansea and the Forest game. So absolute carnage, but fantastic. And it's all right when you come out on top, isn't it? Which is obviously how we've done. Now we can sit back and watch the playoffs uh, with our slippers on, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I imagine a lot of fans are enjoying watching as a neutral. Anyway. Um... I mean, one more, Matt, really, before... I mean, you started the season, obviously, covering the club and they, they got off to such a good start, didn't they? And, and, you know, we all remember that. But did you see them, you know, doing the job as early as then? Um, I don't think I did. I, I, I think when I... Because when, when I start, when I was covering them, it was literally the first two or three games and they hadn't... They weren't playing Pereira and Dean Garner in those opening games. So when... Mm. It was when I think my last game was when was either when Dean Garner came on and scored twice. And at that point, they sort of got out of jail with that one. But you thought, okay, we've got a good loan sign in there. Um, and then Pereira played the next game, I believe. Um, and you thought, okay, they've got a good sign in there. Mm. I think I signed off with a win. It was three two. I can't even remember who it was against now. It was Blackburn, wasn't it? Was it Blackburn? Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, they sort of. It felt very, at that stage to me, it felt quite similar to last season in the sense that they were capable of scoring goals then um, and you thought they had a good attack. But they had conceded twice against Blackburn and, and they were poor goals and they, they'd nearly lost to Luton. And you, so I didn't, I thought it was a solid start but I, and I thought they had some exciting players and I was pleased with a lot of the signings they made. I mean, at the time I said Semi Ajayi is probably going to be one of the buyers of the season and, and, and in my mind it's turned out to be. I, I think he's been such an unsung hero this season and possibly, I mean, Livermore's probably been player of the season, but Semi Ajayi's been fantastic and I, I fully believe he's ready for the Prem. But um, So at that stage, I was I was quietly, quietly confident and kind of um, excited, but I, I, I wouldn't say that I was sure they were going to go up, not at all. I, I would have taken top six then, I think. Mm. For, for, I mean, for both of you now, I mean... At what point in the season did you think this is it? This is this is a season for Albion because I I I almost kind of jinxed everything after the game against Derby and I, I tweeted saying there's a game when you kind of sense that a team's going to go up and for me it was that Derby game because they just held them at arm's length. It was deemed one of the trickier you know games um, of the running and they just handled it so well. I mean, Joe, what what game was that for you? It what. <laughs> Rather than to say the game they were going to go, I knew they were going to go up. I think there was a point in the season where I knew they were going to be title challengers, where I thought 
they wouldn't they they were comfortably going to be top six, but I thought they'd definitely be in and around that tyre race, and that was QPR away, mm. um, which has turned out to be a game that was spoken about loads recently because it was game nine, um, game nine of the season. It was the day that Albion entered the top two for the first time. Um, they actually went top um, that day. They won 2-0, mm. of course. Nathan Ferguson scored. Um, it was one and only Albion goal, I think, um, off the top of my head with that sort of effort from 20, 25 yards. And then Pereira scored that really clever free kick um, mm. where he sort of rolled it under the wall. But that was the day when everyone was sort of raving about QPR in the build-up because they'd, they'd won three on the spin. They were sort of being seen as dark horses for a place in the top six. And Albion absolutely bossed that game um, from, the, from the first whistle to the last. They played with complete control. Um, and it was 2-0 massively, massively flattered QPR. Mm-hmm. Um, it massively flattered them. But that's a, there's performances and then there's results, isn't there? And the performance was just absolutely exceptional. And, and like I said, it was so dominant. It, they played with so much control that you just thought, QPR are a decent side. Um, especially with the players they had, but Albion that day were a completely different class to them. And that's when I always thought they're in with a real shot here, a real mm. shot. What about you, Matt? Was there a game which you kind of highlighted? Um, I think that QPR one does stand out for me as well, because it was, as Joe says, it was the time when I suppose they announced themselves. Um, and you had Ferguson announcing himself and Pereira doing it. You know, he, Pereira was, was, coming, was starting to become one of the, uh, the better players in the league then. Um, but for me, it was um, one of the games that I went to, which was uh, the Swansea game at home. Yeah. Now they were flying at that stage um, already, probably um, already already title challenges in many people's eyes. But to go and okay, Swansea were pretty poor that day, but to, they just absolutely bossed it. And Pereira was sparkling. It was probably his best game of the season. I think he got something like four assists. I can't remember. Mm. Um, but they battered them five one, and for me, that was. Although the although the opposition wasn't great, that was the sort of win that it that that title that people that teams that go up have. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They it wasn't it was just completely routine and it was just brilliant from zero to ninety and they were clinical, they were playing with confidence and I think because I was there, that was the time when I got quite excited. Um, so obviously I didn't go to uh, to all the games after after I stopped reporting on them, but that was the one that I I really enjoyed. Uh, is it giving you a taste? You're going to be getting yourself a season ticket now. Well, we can't go back yet, can we? So, um, well, when the fans are allowed. Not, yeah, not <laughs> at the know. moment. I, I would, I would love to, um, but having having left the role to spend more time with the kids, it might not go too da- <laughs> down well with the uh, with the other half. But um, I'm going to try and get to as many games as possible next season. That's for sure. Um, it, as soon as we're allowed back in, when's what's the latest with that? Do we know? October. Right. October is with a rumor. Um, but isn't isn't that a third of the a third of the crowd? So oh yeah, you know, that's a third of the crowd. It's going yeah, to be unlikely yeah. that because I'm not a season ticket holder, so it's going to be unlikely. I'm, I'm going to struggle to get tickets, I imagine, because they'll go to season ticket holders first, won't they? I think for once the uh, checker trade trophy or leasing.com trophy, whatever it is now, is going to be like really important because it looks like that's going to be the competition where they sort of trial it um, with fans. That makes sense. Uh, and then. Yeah, go from there. The first thing it'll be there's that forty percent, won't it? And then decisions will be made after that. But hopefully not too, hopefully not too much longer. It's an interesting one, isn't it? That um, 
it wouldn't be a, a party with just three people, would it, guys? Let's be honest. A promotion party, anyway. I'd uh, enjoy a party with you too. Uh, it's less of a party, more of a gathering. Um, and it's not a promotion gathering. What I've done is I've asked listeners to uh, submit questions in a different way, and you'll have seen this. Um, so to get as many voices on the podcast as possible, I've asked fans to send in their recordings of questions, and we're going to dive straight in. Um, and the first one comes from none other than uh, Mr. Callum Hayward. I'm going to jump in with these questions now. Um, they're all different. They're all really interesting, actually. Um, and hopefully this goes down pretty well. Hopefully uh, you guys can um, you know offer some insight and I can maybe just comment on these. Um, but yeah, first question coming up from uh, Callum Haywood. Hi lads, just a quick one before I ask my question. Just wanted to say a massive thanks to Luke and especially to Joe um, for their coverage of Albion this season. It's been second to none um, and uh, when Matt went I was bitterly disappointed but uh, Joe's been fantastic this year. And it's been also equally fantastic to see the transformation of Luke Hatfield turning from a villain to a baggy. Uh, my two discussion points are um, firstly in my opinion, um, I think the defence has looked shaky at periods this season um, and I also think that we've probably gone a whole season without a natural goal scorer. Um, I know Austin's contributed but potentially not as much as we expected. Um, so how much does that concern you going into the Premier League? And second of all, um, in what uh, areas of the pitch do you think Albion need to strengthen going into the Premier League next season? Some nice comments there from Callum. Oh, lovely comments. Um, everyone got a mention. Uh, interesting question as well, really. Um, first up, I suppose. I mean, we'll, we'll tackle the second, the second one first, and then move on to the positional one. Where, where do Albion need to strengthen, in your opinion, next season? Who's going first? I don't mind. Do you want to go first, Joe? Um, go on, and I'll go first for this one. You can take the next one. Um, so everyone's talking about the striker and stuff, and, and 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 that is obviously the key area. But to me, that's an area that re- it, the fact that. I think that is really, really, really exciting. I've said before on this podcast, I genuinely believe Albion would have walked the league if they had that striker that perfectly fits Slavin Bilic's system, which I think, look, I've spoken about Charlie Austin at length. Albion wouldn't have gone up without Charlie Austin. Those 11 goals were absolutely crucial. Saw some comment on Twitter the other day that only six were from open play. Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to take those penalties. Um, and when he lined up to take those penalties, particularly that one at Sheffield Wednesday away, I think we all knew he was going to tuck it away. So he's, every goal is a goal at the end of the day. He scored 11 for four million quid. Um, he's been instrumental. He's been instrumental in getting them over the line, um, both on and off the pitch for me. So that's still a, that's a very, very good signing. But I do think he doesn't suit Bilic's system. I do think he would be much more effective in a team that was set up just solely to get goals out the front man or front two. And I think if Albion find that striker, if they do find that striker, I think they will jump quite a few steps forward um, pretty quickly, really. Um, the ideal person for me would be somebody like Ollie Watkins from Brentford. I mean, whether whether he'll be in the price bracket, I don't know. They are looking at even Tony from Peterborough. Um, they're in talks um, for him at the minute. So... Look, everything's going to depend on the playoffs and if Brentford go up, but if there's any way that they, Albion could get their hands on him or someone like him, I think everyone agrees that Albion would have walked the championship with a player like that. Um, so while there is an awful lot of work to be done this summer, I do think a striker tailor-made for this team will improve them significantly if then they're, of course, then backed up by like Charlie Austin and Hal robson Carno. I think that could be a very decent front three for next season. And three is all you need, really. 
because Bilic only ever plays one up top. So um, striker's number one for me. Look, there's so many, there's so much work to be done. They've got to sign a left winger. Um, Grady Dean Gardner and Callum Robinson have gone. Yeah. That's that's the truth of it. They're not in the squad anymore. So I like I like Kamal Grzycki. I think Matt Phillips had a really difficult end to the season. I don't think you can go into the season with Matt Phillips and Kamal Grzycki as your two wingers. Ray Antelik's an exciting prospect, but he is, we don't really know a lot about him. And I'd absolutely love to see Kyle Edwards go out on loan, if I'm honest. I think he'd really benefit from a loan. So wingers look very, very light at this moment in time, an area that's been really strong for Albion over the last year. I think they need a central midfield. I think probably they need two central midfielders. Um, one, if they do sign Philip Kravinovic, which I kind of expect them to sign Philip Kravinovic, but I think they're gonna, they really need a defensive midfielder um, to go in there as well, so that just to give to provide extra cover and support there. I think they need a left back. Um, I think they need a left back um, because, with the greatest respect to Kieran Gibbs, he probably is Premier League quality, but we all know his injury record. Um, and do they need a right back? I'm not. Right back and centre back are the ones. A lot of people say they need a centre back, and a lot of people say they need a right back, and I'm sure they are areas they're looking at. Um, but for me, at this moment in time, I'd like to see a centre-back sign and I'd like to see a right-back sign, but I do think they're lower down the list when you think Certainly that. they're not a priority, are they? Yeah, I wouldn't want to say they're not a priority because I, I do probably think they're needed, but but there are more pressing concerns at this moment in time and everyone's got to remember that this isn't going to be a limited budget. This is going to be... It, I mean, Luke Dowling said it's going to be middle ground. They're not going to spend what Villa spent. They are going to spend more than what Norwich spent. You, you don't get a lot really for a hell of a lot of money in the Premier League these days so at the end of the day Albion have got an owner that isn't investing cash into the club um, and that's got to be remembered because they're having, they're having everything is they're self-sufficient basically um, so I think there's a lot of work to be done but I'd say top three at least um, striker left winger and central midfielder um, or maybe and a left back as well really there is a lot of work to be done yeah a fair bit needs to do Matt you obviously saw Albion with with the strike force they had last season and and covered the club throughout that I mean what would they have given for one of those type of strikers this year oh yeah I mean it would have been it would have been as Joe said I think a bit more of a formality if they had Gale or or Rodriguez up top but I, I tend to agree with what Joe's just said there I think I think they do need to sign a striker Um, I'm not disputing that Robson Carnu and and Austin have made a have made a contribution this season because um, they have, and there's there's no doubt about it. But I don't think I think you'll struggle if you go into the Premier League um, with that strike force on its own. I think you need I think you need a, a, a main striker who's ready to go into the first team. Um, I mean, Joe will know better than me, but it was interesting that Callum Robinson came on and uh, started up front in the last game of the season, and that looked like a quite a good fit. Um, so if there's any chance of getting him, maybe that's maybe that's an avenue they could go down. Um, I don't know what the if there's any chance of that, but um, or and he seems to love the club anyway. Um, but they need a striker, in my opinion, and and I agree with Joe particularly about the uh, the central midfielder. Um, I think there's been a lot of work for Livermore and Sawyer's this year, and it, it's taken its toll on them. And I and I thought towards the end of the season, um, there were times where 
players were drifting past um, those two, particularly Sawyer's at the back at the base of midfield, um, a bit too easily. And you need a bit more steel in the Premier League. I think Sawyer's is great at, at giving you that possession and keeping possession, but you need a bit more, bit more bite as well. So I'd like to see him sign a defensive midfielder as well, like like Joe said. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do uh, with that. Uh, next question comes from Chris Howells. Hi, uh, Matt, Joe and Luke. Um, I hope you're all well. This is a potentially controversial question. <laughs> um, with Matt and Luke now being confirmed Baggies fans, as well as Joe's wife and children, is it fair to say we need to divert the attention away from the former Villa fan, Luke Hatfield, to the lad from Suffolk who still professes to be a fan of the Tractor Boys? I think that's a great question, don't you, Luke? I, I think it's a brilliant question. I, I, I've, I've, I've got issues with how it was asked, um, but I think it's a great question. Joe, do you want to elaborate? Not really, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I, don't I, wanna... I sat next to you for years and you never spoke about Ipswich. You don't care about them. <laughs> you just don't. You don't care about them. You care it's about not... Albion and maybe a bit of Warsaw. You don't care about Ipswich. I can't. I don't like making this podcast about me, but I can't answer this question in any other way than it is about me, which frustrates <laughs> me. Um, but what I will say is, look, the truth is that I haven't been to an Ipswich game for six years. Um, I've, I and ah, uh, oh, this question, honestly. <laughs> so I hate to say, I hate to say what I'm about to say, but it's the only way I can describe it, and I don't think. People can't understand the position that I'm in unless they're in my position. Because if before I did this job, I'd be like, I'm an Ipswich fan and that's it. That's it. I'm, I just support Ipswich. I don't give a stuff about anyone else. Which I know a lot of fans will be, they'll feel like that about their club. And, they, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not, not empathising with that because genuinely, hand on heart, I would have been exactly the same. But when you do this job and you become immersed in another club, you can't not get connected to it and feel close to it. So I did cover Shrewsbury in my first year, and I, I did I did sort of bond to the club, but I've got to be honest, not I didn't not to the extent that I did with Walsall. Like I really really bonded with Walsall, and then I got to be honest, I've bonded again to the same level, maybe even more with Albion because I do genuinely like love the club. I do, and it, I, I said this to a lot of people in the game, but. And I think there's a lot, you, you, it's difficult because you two, Matt, you only covered Albion. But as much as I support, you start, you start supporting people rather than teams. I know that sounds really strange, but because I've got a relationship with Billich and, slight, like, and, then, and then obviously I've interviewed the players and stuff. And I really like Luke Dowling and Mark Jenkins. I know like the pantomime villains for some and. You you you're willing them on. You're you're literally willing them on, um, to get over the line. So, uh, look, I've massively bonded with the club. I'm not an Ipswich fan anymore. There's no point in saying I am because if, if, <laughs> it, there if, we go. If, if you ask me to name the starting eleven tomorrow, I couldn't do it. Um, and if you can't do that, then there's no way in a million years you're a fan, is there? Um, so, um, all I want is, I mean, I absolutely love Albion. I love 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 them. All I want when I leave this job um, is to be able to go and buy a season ticket holder, be a season ticket holder, um, and all I want is my two children to support a local team. 
Um, well, I'm telling you now, I'm not going to support Shrewsbury because I couldn't give a stuff about them. Um, <laughs> I'd literally rather chop off my right arm with a blunt sword than have them support Wolves. Um, they're not. They're not. They're not going to support Walsall because, as much as I think they're a, a great club, um, um, just not. They're just going it's nowhere. It's a tough watch, isn't it? Uh, it's a tough watch. <laughs> it's, it's a tough watch. You can't. You can't um, subject them to that. Joe. It's um. It's a tough watch. Um. So there's only two teams left, really, and that's Villa and Albion. And my little, I bought my little girl an Albion kit the other day. So it's decided. I think that tells you where I am. And I, I genuinely expect like that. I mean, I love Albion. I love covering them. I'm, I'm, I do love them. I can't say it any other way. I do genuinely. The word is love. Um, and when this, when I do leave this job one day, I thoroughly expect to be um, buying a season ticket at the Hawthorns and taking my little girl and taking my little boy, and we'll all be sat there in baggy's kits. The only thing that would make it better is if Matt Wilson comes with me with his kids. Oh, I will definitely come. I've uh, I've got my my little boy an Albion kit, but the problem is is that his, his granddad keeps buying him Swansea kits, so <laughs> he keeps putting them on, which is um, doing my head in. But there we go. Um, I, I can't I can't um, I can't reason with him. He, he likes to wear his pajamas most of the time. So, <laughs> well, a Swansea kit can be his pajamas, and he can wear the Albion kit in the day. Yeah, I think the the problem is is that I bought him just a shirt um, and. Uh, his granddad's got him the full kit, so he likes wearing the full kit. So I've I've been trumped basically. Um, just, go, just go full kit and tracksuit now. Yeah, I need to. I will do. I'll do it for his birthday. I'll get it sorted. Fair play to answering that one, Joe. I know. I know you uh, you were under a bit of pressure with that one. Next question, um, Daniel Tudge. So yeah, what I wanted to know what you guys think. Um, what do you think the ambition by the club is going to be? Um, I'm sure Slav would be happy to stick around for one year at uh, and fight up relegation or go down. He might even see as a project to build us back up again if we went down. But what are the long-term aims? Are they actually going to try and push forward? Are they actually going to try and become a better team? Are they actually going to try to build a team that's capable of challenging for Europe? Because if so, that's great. But are they happy to fight for relegation every year, the chair the board? I can't see Slav staying. I think he'll go off to bigger and better things. Talking, you know, there'll be some really important decisions to be made. Where do we go? Pereira will only stick around for one year, I think, if we don't show the real ambition. Thanks, guys. Love to hear your thoughts. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Sorry, I know I just did the last one and I said I'd go, let Wilson go first for this one, but can I go first for this one? Of course you can. Um, just because. Um, so, at the end, actually, where am I going to start? So, I think the best bit of insight I can give on this from conversations sort of with Bilic and people around Bilic is he, for starters, Slavin is a very, 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 very special character. Very, very special. Immensely loyal. Um, he, I mean, when he was at West Ham, he stayed as a player when Everton came in for him initially because he felt he had a debt of loyalty to the club. And he wanted to try and help them. He, Slaven has got a loyalty that is very, 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 very rare in football. He's a very, very special man. I mean, Wilson said to me, he won't mind me saying, when, when he was leaving on his last day, he basically turned around and said, he's not going to miss me, he's going to miss Slaven. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and I get it now because he, was, he is an exceptional, um, exceptional man. And he has been sold Albion and, uh, 
to a certain vision, which is steady, steady progress. And th they, he was basically been sold it as a jigsaw puzzle where you gradually, gradually, gradually add to it over time. So that this is, I can't stress enough that Albion are not going to spank loads of money this window. They are not going to spend fortunes. They haven't got it. They haven't got an owner that's willing to just bundle in millions and millions and millions um, just to invest in the playing squad. But Bilic has known that all along. And what he's been sold is the project of steady, steady progression. Now, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting progression. Like, we all know my feelings on Wolves, but Albion, it's unlikely Albion are going to go promotion, Europe, let's have a good run in the Europa League. But I, I think the aim will be, the, the, the aim for next season, internally, I believe, will be survival. They take fourth bottom now. Then it'll be a couple of positions higher. Then it'll be a couple of positions higher. Then it'll be a couple of positions higher. I know it, it's not thrilling, but it'll be gradual, steady progress um, that's based on extensive scouting, that's based on boxing clever in the transfer market, that's based on signing a lot of players like Shemi Ajay, like Matt said, the bargain of the year, 1.5 million quid. Mateus Pereira, 8.25 million. You can't, if you're going to shop in that market, you can't just be a rocket, if you like, and jump through loads of different levels. But I think everyone should be really excited by that. I think, look, of course it might not happen. Of course it might go wrong. My, worry with, my one worry with Bilic is that he's such a European football connoisseur that a big European club could come in for him. Mm. Um, but that's... But, but that can if you if you haven't got a, if you haven't got a good manager then that then they wouldn't have the interest would they like you're always going to have interest if you're going to hire good people those good people are going to have interest especially when they then go and go on and do a good job for you so it's a reason why I love Albion to be honest like it's not it's not gun ho it's not it's not necessarily flashy um, and it, and it's certainly not wasteful. It's just well-planned, meticulous, thorough, trying to do things in the right way. And, and there's not many clubs who would, can say that and sell it to Bilic the way they sold it to him. And Bilic is really excited by that project. He's really excited to just gradually, gradually improve the pieces of the puzzle, if you like. Mm. So that's, that's how it stands, um, is my understanding anyway. Um, so I know everyone wants bragging rights. We live in an era when everyone wants to be on Twitter and saying we all want to be like battering Villa fans and battering Wolves fans and doing this, that and the other. Like, football isn't played on Twitter. It's not, it's not like that. Um, and I just think everyone should be sort of, we've got to be grateful that Albion have got a long-term plan and it's always going to be steady. It's, we're never going to have to worry about them sort of spanking loads of cash and getting into financial difficulties I think I think speaking as a fan um, what I want to see from this team is not necessarily challenging for Europe but being in the Premier League and playing a style of football that is enjoyable to watch and you know occasionally besting mid-table teams or teams pushing for Europe and outplaying them and not 
stultifying them because that was the issue that that happened towards the end of um the end of the last stay in the Premier League um it was great under Hodgson um but when Pulis came in it was a particular brand of football designed to keep us up and it worked and you can't deny that it worked and there were some there were some good times under Pulis and people do forget that um but I think what the fans want to see is perhaps maybe less pragmatism and I don't think Bilic will 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 play that way I don't think it's in his nature so just you know I think the the first season will be to stay up and then maybe just aiming for mid table after that if if you can stay up the first season aiming for mid table maybe using Burnley as as a good blueprint there where you slowly develop your your team but maybe playing a different style to Burnley um something that we're more used to seeing under Bilic this season I think a lot of fans would be happy with that um, because that's progress, um, especially from where we've just come from, which was two seasons in the Championship. Certainly would be, wouldn't it? I think Dow- Dowling kind of nailed it speaking on uh, BT Sport the other day because you saw it when when um, when Villa went up and they said, oh yeah, we're not we're going to play the same way and we're not going to go to Manchester City and set up defensively. And, and it proved very naive, especially you know first half of the season because they... They did that and they lost games. Um, whereas Dowling's come out and he said, look, you know, we've got a style of play. We've got a manager who we believe in. Uh, but at the same time, you can't walk up to the Etihad and, and and go out and try and play this expansive football because, you know, you will get played through the quality. The, the, there's just a, a, a vast difference there and it's, it's the same with most clubs. Um, pretty much every club who comes up from the Championship. So it is, I think it's a good... Um, a good kind of route that they're taking Albion it certainly seems like one which could which could pay dividends you don't want to go down the route of Norwich and try and play expansive football and, and be naive and just get sent back down with a low points total so you do have to be pragmatic in, in some respects and obviously away at City and Liverpool and things like that but I think it the issue was um, towards the end certainly under Pulis that you know the the end goal was always survival whereas I think Bilic is an entertainer. So he, as long as he's pragmatic against difficult teams and sets the team right, you know, in the right way against um, teams, and, and there are times where they have to be defensive, but there are also times when actually you win the game by being attacking and expansive and, and pressing high and, and doing all the things that we've seen them do this season. So, you know, in, in all, as, as, as in all cases, a bit, a bit of um, sensible pragmatism and also some expansiveness is, I think, what the fans want to see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next question comes from James Smith. Hi, gents. Just a quick one uh, in reference to what we might call the uh, the Nathan Ferguson saga. A lot of uh, young players left the club over, over recent years, uh, going back to as far as Izzy Brown and um, you know the likes of even Tyler Roberts and... Uh, Jerome Sinclair, once upon a time, highly thought of by the club, but we never tied them down to, to long-term deals. I always see a lot of stuff now around players entering the last 12 to 6 months of the contracts and nothing's been sorted. Just wondered whether you had any insight or what your views on what the club plans to do moving forward with a lot of uh, good young players um, you know, on the books. Uh, the right to look, obviously, thing is a, is a, is a positive. Uh, but yeah, just looking to get your insight, really. Cheers, cheers, boss. Yeah, so Albion, of course, you know, They've been bitten before by this, haven't they? Where 
young players, you know, and we saw it with Nathan Ferguson uh, this season, have, have opted to leave. And it's it's a, it's a situation which they shouldn't really uh, look to be continuing to get into, is it? You take this one, Wilson, to start with. Um, I think so. The history here, obviously, is that they've got they've had a great academy, haven't they? And you look at the, the players that have come through: Ferguson, O'Shea, um, even Tyler Roberts, Morgan Rogers, Louis Barry. I think um, there was certainly when I was when I was reporting on the club, there was certainly a very large frustration at those players getting getting pinched um, at an early age. Um, now I know in the, you know there's been there's been a lot of debate in the whole of football about about this issue and you look at Brentford they've gone down a particular route by introducing a B team and scrapping the academy but it's it's but then you speak to other people who work in academies and you say well who are who are those players playing for Brentford's B team where were they developed and they were developed in other 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 clubs academies so you know it some teams have to have an academy or have to have some sort of youth setup for for a team like Brentford to to thrive on on it, if that makes sense, I think Alwyn's academy is is despite a number of coaches leaving recently, I still think it's 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 uh, it's produced so many good players recently that um, you know it's worth it's worth persevering with, worth sticking with, and and you know it's it, if you're a young player and you think okay, well I've seen the likes of Ferguson and O'Shea get minutes uh, under Billets, you're gonna you're gonna think there's a chance for me. Um, in terms of how do you fix players going for peanuts, well, there's nothing much Albion can do apart from make their feelings heard to the, the authorities and, you know, the FA and FIFA. I mean, I don't know if Joe knows anything more than than, than any rule changes, but I I don't I don't it, unless the rules are changed, there's not much they can do. So it's a bit it's a bit tricky to um you know, to lay it at the the door of the club. If if a player doesn't sign a contract, doesn't sign a contract, um, and you could also um, we don't know the ins and outs of every single contract negotiation, but you could also say, well, given a giving a a sixteen or seventeen year old a, a ridiculous um, a ridiculous contract with uh, worth I don't know twenty, thirty, forty grand a week might ruin his appetite anyway, and then and and then. It becomes a burden on the debt, on a burden on the club as well. So it's a real tricky one because you just each case is completely different. So yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, you look at the likes of you know some of the players who have left. And I know Morgan Rogers is a talent, and you know Louis Barry's another one who you know you think where he could be a real a real player. But I mean, they got they got some money from Morgan. Obviously, Louis Barry's a very different situation, one which is very frustrating. Um, but then elsewhere, you know, you look at the likes of Tyler Roberts and Izzy Brown. It's like, have they really, have they really stood out enough for you to be that, you know, sore? I know, I know, in terms of finances, it's, it's a very painful one to take. Um, but it's the same situation with Nathan Ferguson now, because you imagine they're going to get a sizable fee, albeit through what looks like a tribunal at the moment. Yeah, so I think it's not, it's not. You got to remember, this isn't. It feels like an Albion issue when you're an Albion fan, but it is, but it isn't. Like Matt said, it isn't an Albion issue. At the end of the day. Man United lost Paul Pogba to Juventus, um, and Man City lost Jadon Sancho to Borussia Dortmund. This is this is happening all over the shop. Um, the the truth is, very good players cost astronomical amounts of money, um, and because of the rules, youth players or very young players don't, and it's worth these clubs taking a punt on them. Um, 
and basically paying them more than what the club they're at as it's initially is, is willing to pay them. Basically, on what Matt's just said, how much can you give these kids who have yet to make a first team appearance? How, how comfortable would you be with, say, Ray and Tullock earning 20 grand a week? Um, does he deserve it? Um, and the answer is he doesn't. Um, but if someone's willing to pay it, then that's not Albion's fault. That is a, that is a rule issue, and it's something Slavin Bilic has been really, really vocal on. But Albion are doing their best in terms of the situation. Look, more, I, I, I have to be honest, I don't massively know a lot about the Morgan Rogers thing. That was before my time. Well, they got, they got four million. They got that. four million. Four million for a player who, okay, he's very talented and he could go on to be fantastic. But on the other side, four million pounds for, I believe he was sixteen or he just turned seventeen at the time, mm. um, who hadn't played. Well, he'd pl- he'd made one appearance in the League Cup, I think. Is that, I think that's right. But who barely played featured in the first team. You know, it's not like Jude Bellingham who who played fifty game, fifty first team games, and by the way, was Blues' best player this year. Um, you know, so they got twenty seven million for him. So it's not in that sort of realm. So four million, you could argue, is good money. Now, I don't know because I, I struggle to know what what is value anymore with in football terms. Because yeah, I agree with it, that. It's 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 really tricky. Um, it might it might end up being not enough. But I, I suppose at the time, Morgan Rogers wasn't in in the first team, um, and he wanted to go. So you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Um, yeah, and, and just Albin, like Albin are trying to do their best in terms of, look, Ray and Tullock rejected the, they were in long talks with Ray and Tullock. He, he, he didn't, I don't know if it was the second or third offer to which he accepted, but he, he turned down offers from Albion um, to stay. So they've had to up the ante in terms of what they've given him um, in order to keep him. They've kept R. Roche, um, which to be honest to me is probably the most important one of the lot. I genuinely think he can be anything he wants to be. Um, Tyler Roberts, he, I've only just, he asked to leave. Tyler Roberts asked to go. I mean, I'm a big Tyler Roberts fan. When I saw him at Walsall, he was absolutely outstanding. I think he's a wonderful player. Um, but but at, that, at that point, go. at that point, that baggies were in the, uh, the Prem and Roberts dropped down to League One and proved himself in League One. He wasn't a Prem player then at all. So, no, definitely not. So yeah. he, I think that one made, made more sense. Um, to me, that I, I, I remember because Leeds came in and, and offered, and I remember thinking that's quite a high fee because it was a, a few million, and I remember thinking that was quite high. Um, now he's he's really kicked on under Bielsa, um, but he's under a great manager there at, Le- at Leeds. Would he? You know, we don't know whether he would have kicked on under a different manager in the same way. So it's yeah, it's it's, it's tricky. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah, I agree. And Nathan Ferguson, let's be honest, is just absolutely bizarre. From what we understand, either him or his family are keen to move to London. His agent is keen to have a payday. Um, and if you look on his social media, you'd never once in a million years think he'd, he'd ever want to leave. So there's just other forces at play. Albion can't control everything. Um, and unfortunately, that's why Nathan Ferguson's left. I think it's a really, really, really bizarre one in the end but then yeah, the so. bottom line is Albion didn't it was Billich who recognised Nathan Ferguson's talent it wasn't Albion Albion allowed the situation to get to the stage where 
Nathan Ferguson only had one year left on his contract. I don't think anyone could have imagined what has happened since in terms of how this move has transpired and that he'd be, he would basically force for a move. Um, there were, there were but, people that knew he was good, though. I mean, he, he was an England youth international before Pilich came and Pardew, when he arrived, now Pardew was obviously a disaster, but he did recognise that Ferguson was a good player and he gave him a pro contract, if I, I think that's right. Yeah, that is um, right, yeah. So there were people who knew he was good uh, you know, you don't get into the England youth setup without being good. So, um, you know, he didn't come from complete nowhere. But be... when Bilic took over, I think he he was under the impression that he would have to sign two right backs. And once he spotted Ferguson in training, he said he only needs one. He yeah. brought Darnell Furlong in. I think the, the general consensus is if it, if Bilic wasn't the manager, then Nathan Ferguson would have gone out on loan for this season. Yeah. Um, and then who knows where that would have been, League One, League Two. Um, he certainly wouldn't have been a Premier League player now, I don't think. No, and then I suppose for him, he might have been thinking, well, Baggies might not go up, I might not get another chance to play in the Premier League, I've got to strike while the iron's hot. But, you know, it's his decision at the end of the day, it's his career, so... He'll live and die by it. Do you know what I mean? He'll 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 find out whether it's in a few years' time whether it was the right or the wrong one. So mm. certainly a very interesting topic of discussion. Um, next question comes from Jazz. My name's Jazz. As we all know, um, Luke Hatfield has let his deepest, darkest secret of being a baggies fan out into the open. Now we're at peace with that. Um, will the club use this promotion to make a longer-term strategy to stay in the league and be competitive, like Sheffield United or? Will we just try and do the bare minimum transfers to stay in the league and then maybe reassess in the seasons to come? I'm tired of all these questions, you know, sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, transfer strategy. I mean, we've kind of covered this a little bit, but Joe, is there anything you want to kind of add to that? No, I think I said it all earlier, really. I just think, like I said, it'll be thorough, long-term planning, hopefully gradual progress. Um a lot easier said than done in football because obviously so so many things can change in in the blink of an eye really. But I I I, I genuinely believe it's a plan that you, that people should be excited by. Hmm. Uh, next next one comes from uh, Jess Ackroyd. Well, it should do. <laughs> Jess, where are you? Oh, Luke. Oh, what we, have we, you done? 45 minutes in and he's... We were going so well. He was doing so well. Wasn't he? I, I was doing well. He's basically only done this like this so he can show off his computer skills. Can you remember what Jess asked? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I can't load up Jess, Jess's actual question, but she asked, are there any players that you'd highlight from the relegated teams uh, that you would, you would take at Albion? So... That's Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth. Yeah. Do you want me to go, Joe? You go, mate. Should I go fancy football fan style? Go and, let's go and sign Callum Wilson. <laughs> I Ten think... million pounds, apparently, Callum Wilson. Sorry? Ten million pounds, Callum Wilson. Yeah, but he's, he's on yeah. he's on 110k a week, isn't he? So. Yeah, slight issue, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, so I don't... Yeah, I, I think Callum Wilson might be going somewhere a bit better. Um, um, or a bit higher, I should say, not better. Um... I would, 
I don't know. Norwich, who, Norwich have got a few good players. Like Buendia is a really nice player. Whether we could get him, I don't know. Um, I think he's been linked with Atletico Madrid. Blimey. Uh, I, I, I still quite like Puki. I think he's a goal scorer. I don't know whether he would fit into the Billich mould. Um, who else went down? Watford. I wouldn't really... Watford have got a couple of good midfielders. You know, Decoure or Capu would probably improve Albion. But I wouldn't really be... Um, I wouldn't be looking at their defence or, or even... I know if Albion have been linked with Troy Dini in the past, but I, I don't think that's a good signing. I think that, that, that would be the wrong, the wrong signing for us, personally. Um, uh, who else went down? Bournemouth? Yeah. Any good Bournemouth players? Josh King? He's, he knows where the net is, doesn't he? He might be quite oh, good. Oh, yeah, take Josh King. Josh King's quite a good player. Quite like him. Um, again, I wouldn't really be raiding their defence because they've conceded something like 60 goals in the last five seasons. Or is that absolutely <laughs> unre- unbelievable how many goals they concede? So I wouldn't really be doing that. But yeah, Josh King, maybe for me. Uh, Joe, anyone? I'd definitely, definitely take Josh King. I'm not, I'm not sure if he'd be just slightly out of Albion's price range, really. I'm not... Um, I don't know, what do you think? Because he's been linked with Man United in the past, hasn't he? Yeah, was that in January? That was a bit of a, bit of a weird one, but that was when they were, Man United got linked with everybody and they ended yeah, up buying a gala, didn't they? So, um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think under Bilic, Albion are quite an attractive proposition because Bilic is, is quite a well-known name. So... Someone like Josh King, who I believe is Danish, isn't he? Um, yeah, Norwegian. He, is he Norwegian? Is he Norwegian? Is he? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, Norwegian. Yeah, he's Norwegian. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, he might that that might interest him. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, so we did this kind of on the last poddy, didn't we, Luke? Mm. Um, and I do completely hear what Wilson's saying in terms of defenders. Um, but it's only the defenders I'm really looking at from those things, which may be a huge, like, a huge mistake, admittedly. But I've, all, I've said before, I've always liked Sam Byram, who's at Norwich. Um, and he can play left and right back. So I'm trying to think ahead, really, because thinking that Albion aren't going to have a lot of money to spend. Um, could he be like the Nathan Ferguson replacement um, mm. and do a job both sides? I think he's a good player, I do. Um, and the same exact same logic goes for Adam Smith at Bournemouth who don't get me wrong he's not a world beater it's not the most exciting signing in the world but I think he's a half decent functional defender um can play both left back and right back and I think he'd do a job um uh from those teams I think I don't know from Watford it's Kapu again defensive midfield I think he'd be all right mm. Yeah, um, I, w- I wouldn't mind like a day of Yeah, I think he'd cost a fortune. That's the issue with those Watford players. I think some of them might be, might be on quite they, quite a few, quite a bit of money. So they paid like fifty mil for Sar, didn't they? Something stupid like that. Did they? They paid a lot of money for him. I'm, fifty mil might be in a, a, a stretch, Blimey. but they certainly paid mega money for him. Um, so yeah, they're going to be on high wages as well, as well you'd imagine. Um, the one, sorry, one, one more, one more. The one that's quite interesting from Bournemouth, I don't think it'll happen, but it's Aaron Ramsdale, the goalkeeper. He's a Baggies fan, isn't he? He's a Baggies fan. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> Born in Stoke. Um, 
and he's done really well for them. Um, but if you bought him, you'd, you'd be buying him for number one. And obviously, I think Sam Johnson deserves his shot in the Premier League. But it's just an interesting tale that he's a 22-year-old, very promising goalkeeper who, it turns out, is actually an Albion fan. Well, Ben Foster's gone down, hasn't he? You know. Yeah, true. <laughs> Would they go back in for Foster, do you reckon? Um, I don't know. He'd have to. He'd, he'd probably have to take quite a bit of a pay cut, I'd imagine, um, mm. from Watford. Um, and he'd probably be there as a. I'd, it's difficult because Foster was so good for so many years. I think Sam Johnston sometimes, unfortunately for him, has to live in that shadow. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. Whether, I don't know whether signing him would be a, a great, a great confidence boost for for, for Johnston. So um, even if even if it was to provide some sort of experience backup. It, I don't think it would help Johnston. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I, I don't know whether I'd do that, even if you could. As much mm. as as much as I, I think Foster's a great keeper. Yeah. Uh, next one comes from Lewis Charles Chapman. Hopefully, the audio actually works this time. Hi guys, I live and work in Shanghai, and I often listen to your podcast on the way to work. My question is for Joe. Outside of the top six, which away ground are you most are you most looking forward to covering? Thanks. I tell you what, great, great effort tuning in from Shanghai, China. That's, that's huge, isn't it? I love that. That's amazing. I love that. Is that is that the owner? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. Um, yeah, outside the top six, then which ground are you most looking forward to covering? It's the owner. He's asking that question because he's going to take me for dinner, whatever ground I'm about to say. <laughs> I wonder well, if he'll. I wonder if he'll start coming back to games now we're in the prem. I know, yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? I'm hoping. I've asked for an interview with Mark Jenkins, so I'm hoping to get that at some point in the next couple of weeks, and that's when we can put some of those questions to him. But um, what ground we're looking forward to going to the most outside the top six? Yeah. So top six is obviously Man City, Liverpool, Man United, is Chelsea. Chelsea. I'll tell you what, the spread at Chelsea. I know, oh, I know, it's I know. unreal, isn't it? It's it's actually it makes you it's slightly embarrassing. It makes you feel bad because does it? Yeah, it's too much. It's actually too decadent, and you do think this is a bit too much that they shouldn't put they shouldn't be putting this much food on for lowly journalists. Do you know what I mean? It, you feel you feel. I felt very guilty eating it, but I still did have four plates. So. <laughs> you feel like you're at a restaurant, don't you? Like the quality of food is such that you you feel like you should be paying for it. Did you actually have four plates? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe, you'll you'll know, mate. You'll you'll know. They've got as long as they've got. There's like there's 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 the main. Then there's like a cheese board. Then there's a fish board, and then there's pudding. So it's 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 oh, actually, that is ridiculous. It, it is it is actually too much to be honest. I, I think I, I think they could do with scaling it back because um, nowhere else is really like that. But yeah, you'll enjoy that. Don't eat before Stamford Bridge. That's my only yeah. Recommendation: Go, go hungry and bring some Tupperware. Um, okay, so can I? Are you counting Arsenal as outside the top six? Because they're one of the traditional top six clubs, aren't they? But they finished what ninth? Uh, no, I've I think, been to Emirates before, though. I think it's a traditional top six, isn't it? So mm. I'm going to go. I'm going to say two anyway. I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit. But my number one is actually going to be Everton. I've never been, okay. to, never been to Goodison Park. I love old stadiums. I love old stadiums. I love Craven Cottage. I love Brentford's ground. I don't know. I just you won't like the press box at Goodison Park. That's for sure. 
Is it, is it cramped? Is it? It's tiny, and um, there's only one entrance to each of the rows, so you have to get like get everyone to move, and everyone asks you to move when they go out. So yeah, that is annoying. When Luke gets up to do his uh, videos five minutes before full time, he's going to annoy everybody in the press box. Right, as they're trying to tap up their match reports. Exactly. It's uh, it's it's. A, I love Goodison Park as well. It's a great great old ground, and I'm actually a bit sad that they're going to leave there. But yeah, the press box is not great. And then I've never ever been to a game at St James's Park. I've been to St James's Park, but I've never been to a game there. Oh, the press box oh. there is awful as well. <laughs> you don't want it to rain. If it rains, you get wet, and they've got little they've got little plastic coverings for your laptop because it, everyone gets wet all the time and it rains all the time up there. But the the plastic coverings are too low down, so you end up like you can't you just can't use it. It's not very good. You can't see through it. That's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Like if it rains, there's water on top of it and you can't look through it. You've literally picked the two worst press boxes there, Joe. Have I? Are you, are you, not, are you not excited about going to Molyneux and, and Villa Park? I mean, those derby days are going to be incredible. I could never ever say I'd be excited to go to Molyneux. What, for the first Black Country derby in how long is it? 12 years or something? Is it 12 years? Uh, well, That's a silly amount of time, isn't it? I look forward to it at the Hawthorns. Yeah, there. that's the one um, you want to go to. Hopefully the fans will be back in by then. Um, and Villa's all right, isn't it? But I don't know. Oh, Villa's great. It's not great, mate. It's brilliant. It's not. You're, near, you're, you're right next to the Villa fans there as well, which, yeah. You need to be, it's even better. You need to be careful. Don't, <laughs> don't slag them off in the, uh, in the paper or online before that game. I don't... Uh, I, don't, do you know, I, don't I mean, this is getting a bit technical, but have you been to Swansea away, Matt? Yes, I have. That's I a funny. That's a funny press box. That's Brilliant a, place. Yeah. Those press boxes that are like on that level, I don't like. No, like, that's that's the same at Villa. It's that's the same. same that's Villa. what I mean. Same at Villa. Yeah, it's like you're just above the players' heads, almost. Like it's all you're almost pitch side. Yeah. Um, White Hart Lane used to be right behind the dugout, really low down, which was it was great for hearing what the managers were saying to the players, but it was not great for seeing the action because um, the pitch curved as well. So you, you actually couldn't see what was going on the other side of the pitch. You had no idea. Sim- similar to Chelsea, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, it's going to be some good away days, though. Um, last question, because, Matt, I know you're, you're, you're pushed for time. Um, and it comes from Paul Chappell. Hi, guys. First, I want to say thank you ever so much for the podcast. Um, it's been a great listen. Interesting, informative. Um, and obviously, in a successful season, it's, it's always nice to hear other people's points of view. Um, my question for you all is along the lines of what would you see as a successful season um, in the Premiership for West Brom? Do you think that survival and nothing more is, is a success? Uh, or should we be aiming a little bit higher, maybe a cup run? Um, or is it literally a case of, uh, yeah, just staying in the division and, 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 and maybe maybe a few more additions in 12 months' time. So what would be the successful season for West Brom? Yeah, we'll finish on that one. Um, what would be deemed a successful season for me, uh, like you said earlier, Joe, uh, I, would, I would snatch your hand off for 17th. You go, Wilson. I, I, I'm the same. I'd take 17th now um, just because I think... We've got a very small summer window. Um, obviously, coronavirus has extended the season, so there's not much time to do the business, perhaps, that you'd want to do. 
but also I think that's going to be the aim of every promoted team that goes up. You, you know, you, especially for the first season, you, you've got no idea um, how some of these players are going to react to playing in the Premier League for the first time, because um, not many of them now, I would say, have. I'm trying to think: Phillips, Livermore, um, who else? Hagazi. But some of the other, a lot of the team hasn't. So um, I think at the first season, it's always just got to be stay up 17th. You'd, you'd, you'd take, um, you know, look at Villa as a case in point. They went up and spent a lot of money. I know they had to because they, they basically had no squad. But, you know, they were delighted to hit 17th. And I think I think Albion should be, will be the same. Um, and I'm looking at, I'm looking to find three teams who we can finish above. And that's all I'll be doing. I do agree with that. I think I said it on the podcast last week and someone now said it to me at the club this week that this promotion's a sliding doors moment for Albion. Um, we do not, we still do not know the impact coronavirus is going to have on football. From people in the game have said to me the championship is never going to be the same again. Never, ever. is it like The wages, the transfer fees. I don't know what percentage of clubs, and I can't remember off the top of my head, post a loss every year, but they, it's, it's the vast majority, isn't it? They're, Teams are spanking so much money, chasing that golden egg of the Premier League. And this has been a wake-up call to everyone that actually things can happen outside your control and you can't run a business model that isn't self-sufficient. So I think transfer fees are going to come down this summer. I think wages are going to come down this summer. And I think it's absolutely imperative if you can get that £170 million um, from being in the Premier League, you do it. Um, it's not all about money. It's about it's about entertaining fans and winning games and at the bottom line. But the money is so 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 important. Probably more important now because of the last few months than it's ever been. Um, so th- success will be staying up and getting that 170 million again, and then building and building and building gradually over time. The only thing I would add is I think they should go for it in the cups. I've, mm. I've always, always said this about teams. It, I know Pulis was guilty of it. I mean, Bilic maybe has been as well. Well, it's different when you're in the championship, though. But if you're if you're a Premier League team, if you're in that top twenty, top twenty teams in the country, I think there's no excuse for not going for a cup. Um, there's, only, there's only three things you can win at the end of the day. Three is, is very, very, very little. Only three teams can get their hands on trophies in the season. And let's be honest, it's more than likely that one team will get their hands on more than one. Um, in terms of domestic trophies, obviously, I'm talking about. So football should be about winning at the end of the day. It should be about winning and it should be about giving fans that day out at Wembley and seeing their team on a podium lifting a trophy. Um so survival's got to be the aim. But do you know what? There's 38 games in the Premier League. That's eight less than there is in the Championship anyway. The La Carlin Cup, League Cup, whatever, whatever it's called now, it's not the most glamorous competition in the world, but it is one of the three trophies you can win. And let's be honest, half a team's rest players anyway. Um, I think, I genuinely think Albin should attack all three. Attack both comp- competitions and try and do something in them because... I think I think in, in, when when people get annoyed at, at um, managers making ro- uh, rotating players for cup competitions, they probably don't. They're not thinking about the squad harmony, and that is important. And you've got to think, you know, if you've got a, 
a second choice central midfielder, someone like Raheem Harper or someone who you see as potentially the future of the club, and you want to keep him, you know, not just happy but sort of engaged and loved, and he knows that he's he's in he's in your plans. The League Cup is a great opportunity to do that and to give them a chance and to make them feel like they've got their chance. And I think that more than I do think managers do. It's about squad harmony rather than oh, I'm just going to you know doff. Um, toss off the cup I don't think that's really in there I don't think managers really do that I think it's more about trying to give everybody a fair crack of the whip um, I don't know I don't know what you think about that Joe that's a very 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 good point I do it's, and I definitely think it's a big element of that but I do think while there is a lot while that is while that does go on obviously it does go on it's, and it would be important for someone like Raheem Harper to get minutes in, into their bow I do think that what the manager is first and foremost thinking is We've got whoever on Saturday. I really don't want Jake Livermore to get injured tonight. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that is true. Yeah. So I'm going to play Raheem Harper. So I think it. Yeah, that's true. I think what you're saying is absolutely valid and very, very true. But I think it's like almost like a nice, positive byproduct of what they're actually thinking. Yeah, you're probably uh, right. Yeah. Um, so and I just want, I want success. I think I, I can't imagine like. Can you imagine like seeing someone like Jake Livermore? You know that thing that they always do with the trophies. You know where like Jordan Henderson was doing it the other night, where they sort of like sort of tap it near the floor really, 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 really quickly, and then they just erupt like lifting the trophy. I think in life that is probably one of the most special things seeing your team do that. Um, and you'd get it with the Carling Cup league. I don't know why I keep calling it the Carling Cup, but I do. You'd get the Worthington Cup, isn't it? <laughs> milk Cup, mate. The Milk, milk Cup. cup. Yeah. Oh. Showing your age there, Joe. I don't think I ever. I don't think it was a Milk Cup in my time, but it might have been. Um, I just think you've got to balance it, and 170 million is the most important thing in staying up. But I just want to see Albion's players on a podium lifting a trophy, and I don't think I, I just think that's what football should be about: winning. You're getting it to win, so go and win. And also a cup run, I think, normally makes you gives you confidence in the league if you're playing well and you're having a good season, winning games. Especially if you're fighting down the bottom, if you have a cup run and you and you and you beat a, a, a fellow Premier League team three nil, and then on you go you go on Saturday and you've got a, another Premier League game against a, a similar team, surely that's going to breed confidence, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And like, let's be honest. Like, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but the Premier League's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Like, you've got 38 games. If 34 points... But Villa, Villa have stayed up with 35 this season. So you've got, you're going to play 38 games next season. If Albion win 10 of them and draw 8 of them, they'll get 38 points. They'll probably stay up. So they're going to lose... 20, they could lose 20 games next year. It's not, and it's not fun. I don't, I don't think could is, is the word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did I say? No, they, you said they could. I think they probably will. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, but that's not fun, is it? I don't want to watch them get beat every week. So, at least if if the prem, if you if you put your hat on, right, right, I'm in the Premier League. I've got to be efficient. We've got to get over the line. We've got to grind out results. Like if if we have to go to like Arsenal and put ten men behind the ball, or whatever, we, we have to do it. But. I think you should be able to have the the luxury of then going into the cup competitions and being like, do you know what? 
We're a Premier League side. We're a damn good Premier League side. We've got Mateus Pereira who can pull the strings. We can score goals against anyone. We can win a one-off game against anyone. So, just go for it. But this is a thing I've always had to be in my bonnet about this. You can probably tell um, by the way I'm talking. But I just, I just want to see him. I just want. I just think all teams should just go for it. I, d I really do. <laughs> I think we'd all take a trip to Wembley for a cup final, wouldn't we? Um, right, that just about does it. I'm really, really sorry to everyone who did submit a question, didn't get it asked. Um, I've just massively uh, underestimated the amount of time that we uh, we would have to answer them all. Matt, as ever, an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, don't be a stranger, mate. How did you find it? Oh, it was great, yeah. Nice to hear some uh, some fans as well ask the questions. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I can't wait for next season. And I can't wait to read all of Joe's transfer tales in the Express and Star. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be sitting there waiting for 10.30pm tweets like everyone else. 100%. I've got, his, uh, I've got him on Twitter alerts now. So every time he says something, it comes up on my phone. Oh, wow. That's big time, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. <laughs> Can I just say on that, because people want to know about transfers. I think there is going to, as of every transfer window, there's normally a calm before the storm. Um, and I think it's been an emotional, exhausting, draining end to the season for everyone, no matter what club you're at. And I just think we are in the calm before the storm now. Just um, Yeah. People are on holiday, aren't they? And people are on holiday and yeah. trying to just... I mean, Romain Sawyer said it in the piece I've done today. He just said he just, he just had to relax and just try and get his mind back to a relaxed state of mind because he just felt mentally drained. Um, so I know everyone's absolutely desperate for transfer news and stuff, but it, it will pick up. It really, really will. But just for maybe the next week or so... Don't badger me too much, is what you're saying. I'm just saying, don't have you, don't expect too much. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. Don't worry, I'll stop messaging you. Promise. <laughs> you can message me, mate. It's fine. Just not with nothing else other than hashtag announce Gale. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, that just about does it then, um, Matt. Once again, thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Um, we'll try and get a couple more, if not one more, uh, podcast in. Might be the best bits of the season. Um, and we will take a, a little bit of a break as well while things are quiet um, but from me from Joe from Matt a fond farewell goodbye for that Matt <laughs>